Section 5 of The One-Eyed Griffin and Other Tales by Herbert Eskett Inman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The One-Eyed Griffin, Chapter 5 Up the Hill Difficulty When Howard recovered from the surprise of his sudden exit from Fairyland, he found himself alone and in a huge sandy plain across which ran a beaten track leading to a steep, dark hill in the distance. This must be the path leading to the hill difficulty, he said to himself, and at once bravely set out on his journey. After walking for some miles, he overtook an old man journeying along with a box of paints under his arm and a sheet of white paper in his hand. Good day, sir, he said politely. Can you tell me the way to the hill difficulty? Yonder it lies, answered the man, pointing straight down the path. Are you going there, young man? Yes, sir, Howard replied. I am going to cross it. Ah, responded the other, shaking his head. You will find it a hard matter, and if you take my advice, you will stay here. It is not very nice yet, but we are going to have a splendid town some day. What is the name of this place, then? inquired Howard. This is the desert of unaccomplished deeds, and we are going to build a beautiful town here. Everyone is going to take part, and we are only waiting for one thing to happen before we begin. And what may that be? Why, for someone to move that ugly hill out of our way. When there is no difficulty there, we shall soon build. I myself am the artist, and shall paint all the pictures. If I were to begin now, I should have to climb the hill in order to get sunlight, and that is such a hard thing that I could not think of it. And what is that man doing? asked our hero, pointing to a man who was standing by a great harp. Oh, he is our musician, and is to play a grand piece when the town is built. Only he cannot practice till the hill is removed because of the echo. Those are our soldiers, he added, pointing to a number of men in uniform. They are to conquer our enemies, but they cannot march till that troublesome hill is gone. I cannot tell you the number of grand things we are going to do when difficulty is removed. But suppose it is not removed, Howard said. Then, my dear young sir, I suppose we shall just stay as we are. But here my walk ends, and if you will not take my advice, you had better keep straight along this path, and you will come to the foot of the hill. Howard thanked the old fellow and ran on as hard as he could, but it was rather tiring, and he was feeling hungry and faint. I wonder if that woman would give me something to eat, he thought, stopping at the gate of a little cottage. I think I will go and ask her. Undoing the gate, he walked up to the woman, who was sitting idly at her door. Please, can you give me something to eat, he said. She looked at him in surprise. Why, I have nothing in the place, she replied. To be sure, I am going to tidy the house and make a lot of nice cakes soon, but I cannot do it until the hill is moved, for it keeps the sun off the windows and the fires will not draw. Dear me, cried Howard, then whatever do you do for food? Oh, we just pick the berries and apples and eat them. You can get as many as you like on the trees here. Thank you, Howard said and turned away. I wonder the fruit does not wait for the hill to be moved before it starts growing he thought, but it is lucky for me, there is plenty ripe and juicy. He sat down by a little stream at the very foot of the hill and made a hearty meal. 
Then once more he started on his way and began to clamber up the steep hillside. Up, up, panting and toiling, now slipping among loose pebbles, now scrambling over huge rocks, or jumping great gaps. Oh, it was a hard road, and poor Howard began to feel he should never get to the top. His breath came in short gasps, and a terrible stitch in the side made him feel sick and faint with every movement of his body. His hands were all torn and bruised, and his feet hot and blistered, when, just as he thought that he must give up, he came to a turn in the road, and there, stretching away to the right, was a pathway, with a signboard erected, on which was written, This is the footpath effort. Hurrah! he cried, pausing to wipe the perspiration from his face. I am right so far, but I declare this path does not seem much easier. It did not, indeed, for though it was not so steep and rough, it was all overgrown with thick tangled creepers and sharp thorns that pierced his hands and tore his clothes as he tried to force his way through them. I suppose these are the weeds the fairy queen spoke of. I will see what my good sword can do. Drawing the bright blade, he set to work hacking right and left at the thick branches and dragging the severed masses out of his path. Oh, how his arms ached to be sure, and it seemed to him that the brambles grew faster than he could clear them away. Still he toiled on, step by step, his bright sword rising and falling like a ray of light. And now, what was that? A great green, slimy slug as large as a sheep right before him and waving a pair of long, fleshy horns in his face. Spit, spit, hiss, hiss. It went, darting swiftly towards him. For a moment Howard stood looking with fear and disgust at the horrid creature. Then with a great cry he sprang forward and buried his sword in the slug's side. Round and round it twisted, tearing up brambles and stones in its wild struggles, and then with a great leap it sprang up and fell back dead. Bravo, bravo, he has killed Sloth the sluggard cried a voice overhead. Howard looked up, only to utter another shout, and spring back with resolution raised, ready to strike, for there, swinging just above him, was a huge fat spider as large as a man's head. It is all right, said the spider, letting itself fall to the ground. It is all right, Howard. You have nothing to fear from me. I am the spider industry, and am the friend of all who come along the path effort. That great slug has killed many a traveller, but you have overcome him. I cannot do much to help you yet, but when you come to the great tree of patience, I may be of use to you. Am I near the end of this road? asked Howard. You are getting on, but there is still a good way to go. Just ahead you will come to a deep pit called Idleness, where sloth used to live. But I have spun a bridge right across, and you will be able to pass safely. I must go now, for there are many on the hill that need my help, but I will see you again soon. And so saying, the spider ran off swiftly. With a shudder of loathing, Howard sprang over the body of his fallen foe and continued his journey, soon arriving at the pit the spider had spoken of, a great gloomy crack in the ground so deep that he could not see the bottom. He rolled a stone down and heard it thunder from rock to rock, waking the echoes until it fell with a sullen splash into the hidden pool. 
I'd rather not go down there, he said, and so we'll look out for the bridge the spider spoke of. I hope it will be strong enough to bear me. He walked along the edge and soon found the object of his search, a strong bridge, a glistening web, stretching over the dark gulf. Cautiously he tried it, and finding it supported him easily, ran swiftly across and was safe upon the farther side. And now once more came the fight with the brambles and creepers, but Howard's heart was full of determination, and he worked with a will, slowly but surely clearing away the thick growth that hindered his progress, until, to his joy, he found himself at the end of the lane, and there, right in front of him, stood a great tree towering up high in the air. End of section five.